Hey, Glory here with Successful Marketing Group. As you know, I work with local businesses, and right now, I'd love your help in supporting local Twin Cities restaurants. This month, I'd like to spotlight Day by Day Cafe. They've been a St. Paul institution since 1980. My daughter and I have been going there for almost 20 years. They're family-owned and loved for their scratch kitchen breakfast and magical outdoor patio with koi pond. Oh, and their new wood-fire pizzas are a big hit. Go to my Instagram at SuccessfulBizOwners for more info on them. Welcome to the post-draft edition of the Cheryl Reeve Show. I think we're going to do topics a little backwards today. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the player you selected, but I'm actually interested in some of the other stuff. We'll get to Renee Davis here shortly, but I'm really interested, Cheryl, in the visit you got from Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lore and how that went. You mentioned it last night on the uh, on the uh, press conference, but of course, you know, it's a press conference, so we didn't get too deeply into it. Can you tell me more what that was like? Yeah, uh, I appreciated having the opportunity. Mark and, and Alex were uh, coming into town and, uh, you know, the letter of intent had just been signed and uh, they, they flew in and, and um, you know, had a, had a full day plan. They were going to take in a, a Timberwolves game and, and meet some staff. And so obviously we had draft prep going on and, and uh, we invited uh, Mark and Alex and, and his team into uh, the draft room and uh, had some really good discussions, you know, around, uh, you know, Mark just kind of looked at the board and, you know, had some observations and, um, you know, we, 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 I really tried to help our staff kind of get to know more about Mark and his background, his business background. Uh, obviously they knew how Alex Rod, uh, Rodriguez, uh, is, uh, so, you know, didn't need a lot of introduction there. Um, but we just exchanged ideas around, um, best business practices in, in selecting people and, you know, um, that there's parallels in sport and business and, you know, A-Rod shared, you know, some stories and, and, and Mark, you know, some business stories. He's, one of the things I appreciate about him uh, it, that I learned along the way was that, um, you know, he's, he's uh, uh, into empowering women with regard to entrepreneurship. And we, we had a conversation around the, the challenges that women face um, with regard to getting venture capital uh, to be able to be an entrepreneur. Um, and he listed the reasons, and you would be shocked to know what they are. Uh, men, uh, men aren't as interested in what the women are doing. Uh, they don't know about maybe some of the businesses that women want to partake in. And so uh, it was the, you know, I said, oh, okay, so it sounds kind of similar as, you know, some of the challenges we face in sport, uh, maybe in politics. And so this is all, you know, obviously it's all related. So we had some good stories there. And uh, we just wanted to sh- kind of share with them a little bit, too, just about, um, our staff that we formulated, why we formulated it, um, uh, our ownership, what we've appreciated about Glenn Taylor's ownership of the Minnesota Lynx, uh, how meaningful it is to us, uh, how it empowers uh, not just uh, those that play for the Lynx, but the entire league uh, and our fan bases. And, and you know, something simple as uh, when you reference the Timberwolves, that uh, the organization, it's Timberwolves and Lynx. Um, everywhere you walk through this building, I pointed out, there would be a co-branding um, you know, and again, anywhere you see a Wolves logo, you see a, a Lynx logo. Uh, and we talked a lot about what that meant to us in, in tangible things for, for them to understand, because I do think that's important. That's why we've been successful. And we've talked about the tangible ways that has led to our success. 
success. And uh, I think it was illuminating uh, really for both of us. And uh, we enjoyed it. It was a nice little break from our, our draft meetings. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, got, got a note from Mark. Uh, he had followed along in the draft and, and, and enjoyed uh, seeing where we landed. By the way, it should be Lynx and Timberwolves, both alphabetically and in terms of championships. Well, I'm not in that. <laughs> I'm not trying to get That's you to I... react. I'm just stating a fact. You don't have to comment. It's okay. I, I don't can, want to have that awkward silence. I can take silence. this on myself. I, it, it's not an awkward silence. It's my awkward silence. It's not your awkward silence. A uh, reminder, this is uh, the Cheryl Reeves Show, my favorite show at TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows, our outdoor show, shows and our sports shows as they are released. Go to TalkNorth.com to see all the shows we have uh, added two new shows or added, added one show, tweaked another. My show, Blocked and Muted with Jim Suhan. We've done a couple episodes uh, where I hit uh, my opinions on a lot of things happening in the sports world. And then I do an interview. Uh, Derek Falvey was my first guest. Nafisa Collier was kind enough to join me from France as my second guest. Please check that out. We've also added Lavelle Neal III, my old friend and newspaper comrade, who is now uh, has joined Roy Smalley's Chin Music, is now Chin Music with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. Our first episode is out, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone who has listened, everyone who has sponsored us, who has helped us continue to grow. Uh, our sponsors for this show, Successful Marketing Group, Rudy, Rudy Luther Toyota, and Cara Quinn of Vibe Realty. Uh, so now that you've had some time to digest, uh, how do you feel about the way the draft went and your selection? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I do want to make sure we go into depth on that. Uh, in terms of the, the, the draft, um, you know, I, I think we had uh, a pretty good mindset around this draft. Uh, we had just one pick uh, and anybody that we drafted, we felt like would be uh, sort of, um, you know, a, a piece of the picture, maybe the final piece to the picture uh, as the, uh, the offseason would be coming to a close and then training camp would be starting, you know, just 10 days later. Um Anybody that we drafted uh, was going to have to be probably more of a supporting role. And so we, we coming at it from that lens, um, it was it was one of those things that we felt like we could go in, in multiple directions. Uh, and I think a lot of teams felt that way. So it was really very, very interesting trying to get the intel, um, not so that you can make a move per se, but just so you knew, you know, kind of uh, what was likely. And, uh, you know, the draft played out in a way that was the more, um, I, I guess, unusual drafts that, uh, that we've had, you know, a, a lot more activity when a pick was announced, like reaction from people. Some were, you know, gassed <laughs> of like, whoa, you're like, holy cow. Uh, because the, um, our mock draft, we, we, what we really try to do during the week is create every possible mock scenario ones that are kind of out of this world, like not going to happen. Um, and then you don't spend a lot of time there because you go, it's not going to happen, but you try to go, okay, we've got to be ready. If this happens, if this happens, if this happens, because you don't want to make a decision in four minutes, you're trying to just simply execute. Um, it's, it's more about, you know, when you get to your four minutes, did anybody call you? You know, you, you give it a little bit of time. Is anybody ringing your phone? Um, is it, is it a case of, you know, do we want to double check something before we actually hit, uh, unmute and, and make our selection? Um, and so as the draft unfolded, suddenly we realized there was a scenario that was just simply not in our mocks. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, the, uh, a, a little bit, um, not surprising that area would go number three. Uh, okay. So maybe you had her sl uh, slated at number four. Okay. So, you, you know, you know, whether it's three, four, you had her at the top. 
um, you know, we, we didn't have, uh, I think it was a surprise for all of us, uh, the fourth pick, um, you know, a player that, you know, we all know about, we, you know, we liked, but we didn't necessarily, whether it's because mock drafts repeated the same thing over and over and over again, um, a lot of teams weren't ready for that. And so it sort of created this interesting situation that as the, the selections moved on, you started kind of feeling like teams were going, okay, um, we didn't think Renata Davis was going to be there, but we've already decided a plan. Uh, and so that was hard for us too, because we spent the week in a different direction altogether. We had, you know, I told you three or four players, Renaya was not in there. Uh, we had our order set. We had a plan. We actually had, uh, you know, a trade scenario we were, we were pursuing. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's just going to get blown out of the water and you have to have the confidence is what we tell, you know, our staff, we do the top 10, um, not to just kind of say, Hey, what do you think? You know, top 10 does, you know, kind of do it mindlessly. You have to be really sharp and focused on your list because all you're doing on draft day is removing names. The top remaining name is your pick. That's that's the most uh, uh, beneficial way to do it, that you're taking the best player available. And so we got to that situation. And, and uh, you know, like I said, after spending a whole week preparing in a different direction, it was hard. <laughs> not, not hard to take Renia Davis. We were really excited uh, about Renia Davis. Uh, but there were, you know, there were some plans in place that we had to undo. And, and so, um, but all in all, uh, you know, that was a, a long way to get to the, to the answer that we're, we're pretty excited about Renaya. I really loved her, her reaction. Um, you know, there, there were some players that fell uh, lower than maybe what the mock drafts were showing that, that had reactions that, you know, kind of, you know, I felt bad for the team that selected them. You know, Renaya knew read probably heard from her agent that she would go higher and she didn't and she didn't wallow in it and she heard her name and, and her and her family were pretty juiced up <laughs> it was fun to watch and and uh the conversation her with her went really really well um now the other thing that we did in, in the draft and had we came into a uh, come into another pick uh we would have drafted ashika alexander uh um, a um, naia player out of langston uh university um, a historically uh, black um, university. And we had made that decision, you know, a couple months back as we were, you know, you have to look at shaping your entire roster, including your training camp roster. And again, you know, these are things that become more clear to you the older you get, the more you look around and you see inequities and you want to be a part of solutions. And I said to our staff, I said, um, we are reserving a minimum of two spots for HBCU players. So come, bring me names, bring me prospects. And, and, you know, our group was pretty darn excited about that. And uh, one of the pro- uh, prospects was uh, Ashika. Uh, now I had uh, an inside connection with Elaine Powell, who, who played in the WNBA. I was a part of a coaching staff. And so I had the great fortune of being around her and she's coaching that team. So we had a very easy uh, connect and communication and, and Ashika, we explained to her, um, that if she were to go undrafted, that we wanted her to be in camp. And so we had that in place, and that's why we were able to announce that, um, you know, as quickly as we did. We thought it was important uh, to do it on draft night uh, because we want that awareness. We, we want uh, people to understand that the inequities are everywhere, and they're endless. 
Uh, and this, this is one way that, that I think all of us need to be more intentional uh, because the fact is that, you know, rosters are largely set. Uh, you can have 15 in training camp. And so you're going to be waiving four players. And so if you're going to be waiving them anyway, why not create an opportunity uh, for people that typically don't get them? And, and so that's what we were, we were committed to uh, in this training camp. And we're, we're so excited to have Ashika. I know, I know she's pretty darn excited too. So uh, if she were to uh, make our team or make a team, uh, it would be uh, the, the, the first, uh, well, for, first for uh, Minnesota, for sure. Um, um, you know, we've had uh, drafted HBCU players be on rosters. We, it was largely earlier in the league, uh, but she would have been the first undrafted uh, to, to be on an opening day roster. So uh, I'm not, you know, this is not a, hey, this is just a favor. We're going to look at her. Let's see how good she is, see how she stacks up. You know, we liked her on film. And, and um, you know, the, the value of this, for, for those that don't know, the importance of training camp invites, not just being drafted, but training camp invites, it changes your world when you try to play overseas. It increased your stock um, uh, around the world. And so it's important that Ashika has that same benefit uh, that, you know, other, you know, power five conferences, um, you know, the players that don't make a team would have. And so we wanted to be a part of that. We wanted to, you know, move towards, um, you know, just doing better uh, for players that don't, don't get enough um, uh, opportunity. That's so cool. Uh, I have a question about a player that you might have taken. I don't know if you'll be willing to answer or not, but I'm going to just throw it at you. We do want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton. Also, thank uh, let you know that the best way to listen su- is to subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's free, just an easy way to listen wherever you do listen to us. Rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, thank you for that again. And we want to thank our sponsor, Rudy Luther Toyota, which is sponsoring the Cheryl Reeve Show and other shows at TalkNorth.com. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Also, like to thank Cara Quinn. And she, you can find her at CaraQuinnRealtor.com. That's C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N, Realtor.com. Uh, she approaches her work as a real estate agent with passion, commitment, and integrity. She wants her clients to know that they have an advocate in their corner paying attention to every detail from the first phone call to the closing. Whether it's your first home purchase or your empty nesters ready to downsize, she prides herself in ensuring that each client has a smooth and successful real estate transaction. Uh, we can vouch for Cara as a person. Uh, you Check her out. Check out her resume. She's done good work. She's working education. She's a good soul. If you need to sell a house or buy a house, I highly recommend CaraQuinnRealtor.com. Uh, did you... Is there a possibility if she had fallen to you, you would have taken, and if Renaya Davis hadn't been there, you would have taken Shyla uh, Heal? Um, she was not in our consideration. Okay, at, I was wrong. Uh, at not, she, she, was, she was a part of conversations. She did not make the final cut. Got it. Um, and, and we felt like uh, she was below, you know, um, Slocum, um, Evans, you know, th- those were players that, that we ultimately, after all the evaluation, we had her below those guys. 
Got it. Okay. Uh, were you surprised by just the way the draft went? I know you've kind of answered that already, but I, I'm just really interested that it seemed like everybody, uh, both in the draft and outside the draft, was surprised by the way things went. Yeah, I think if you if you look uh, even in last year's draft, we were a part of creating the surprise. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, Kiki wasn't in mocks. You know, maybe they, she was in the second round and we took her in the first. So I think every year you have uh, at least one of those. I, I think that it happened in a lottery. Uh, a lottery lottery slot that maybe it created a little more buzz uh, and things started a little bit earlier. And then I also think um, this is the hardest part. And I, and I've tried to say this, uh, those that do mock drafts do not have all the information and you're just basically going on statistics and, you know, watching video, watching games, you know, that's only part of it. Um, And so, you know, what's happening on the inside, there's so much more um, how interviews go um, you know, the, the medical grades and, and, you know, things that you just, you know, it just, you just can't know it. You can't know those things. And, and so I think that creates a little bit of what happened. Um, I, I think the, you know, maybe the player that was you know, darn surprising was Arella Garantis out of Rutgers. Um, you know, I, I don't know the reasons. Again, that was a player. We started to learn as we got closer to the draft that there was a possibility so that did create discussions for us um, that if she were there, where does she fit? And, and so we, we had to make sure that we had that package fully vetted, uh, you know, to make a decision if that presented itself. Uh, and it did. Uh, Arella was there when we picked. But again, uh, on our board, uh, Renaya was, was um, you know, on, on the upper, upper part of the board and was the, the top name remaining. So, um, you know, we, we had multiple players that, that we would have, you know, been happy to, to have. Um, and, and we just didn't see that, you know, that kind of going that way. So I guess in some ways it was surprising, but you never really fully have it nailed down, even those of us in the business. Right. Uh, I remember when I was covering the NFL, I had a, somebody who was a really good source of information for me. He was a general manager of a winning NFL franchise that I happened to get to know. And we're, we're talking, we were kind of trading information, what we were hearing around the league on, on before dra- draft in the early nineties. And he said, I, you know, instead of playing games here, I'll just tell you what, we have for our mock draft, who, what we think is going to happen. And he gave it to me for, you know, for the 32 picks in the first round, uh-huh. <laughs> zero ended up being right. <laughs> I know. I and, know. you know, and it wasn't that he didn't know what he was doing. It's that that one trade or one surprise pick early can shake up everything. Yeah. And, and I think I kind of alluded to this in the, in the pre-draft uh, media veil that, uh, the other element is we know the condition of our team. We know what challenges we have, uh, maybe physically with players, you know, it, there's just information that not, you know, so we don't have that information on other teams. Other teams know far more about, you know, their needs. And I think that's probably part of the challenge, even for people that are, you know, in the league, entrenched in it, talking to people every day, um, you know, and, and also, I mean, talent is subjective a lot of times, you know, what, what you like uh, or, or, you know, what you think would be best for your team. So I think that's the fun of it. Uh, I, I think that's what created the, the buzz, uh, you know, was, was kind of the, like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, how it was going. If you or anybody you know would like to advertise with this show or the network, you can reach former Twins executive Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Uh, she will hook you up and we would love to have you. Uh, so we both got our vaccinations. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm uh, just a couple hours removed from it and uh, I'm doing great no matter what. And, and yeah. uh, I'm excited to excited to have that, um, 
you know, kind of milestone accomplished. And it'll be big for us during our season uh, as we start to travel. I think all of us feel a little bit safer. And then as a group, if we're, if we're largely vaccinated, we'll get a chance to experience some benefits of, of some freedom that we would not have. So, yeah, it was a necessary milestone. And um, hope we can see the numbers continue to rise uh, around or not only the, the country, but the world. Yes. Uh, so you are loaded right now at the forward wing position. Uh, how do, what do you see as your guard rotation at the moment, or does that have to play out? No, I, I think I think that's pretty set. Um, yeah. You know, as as you said, I think it's you know in terms of numbers, I've got uh, more insurance and coverage on the right side of the roster than we do the left side, uh, which will create us moving roster uh, you know, players from right to left. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what we're going to call Ariel and Kayla, a two or a three. They're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Good news is they each can play both positions. Uh, Ariel is also uh, a willing initiator. So she's going to be covering, um, again, whatever you want to call her, you know, as, as her and McBride play together. It's just going to be, you know, matchups every night, which one's best. But in terms of roles in the offense, um, I, I just don't think it would be great to put numbers on him. Um, and, and, but, uh, Ariel's ability to uh, go from three to two to one uh, is going to be pretty valuable for this roster because we have Crystal and Rachel uh, with, with uh, the point guard duties now. Rachel have some ability to go one, two. Um, uh, Renaya is going to have the ability to go a lot like Fee. Um, and I'll get to learn more about what her comfort levels. We'll have those conversations. You know, what does she really like to do? Um, you know, we have to teach her about the league and what shots you're going to get, how you're going to get them. I think she'd be a tremendous face-up four and be hard to play against once she adds the three ball, a consistent three mm-hmm. ball. So we're going to get her off the plane shooting the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get her right to work on that. Because, um, uh, you know, there's a big difference with college and pros. And pros, all you do is work on your game. And so you can make improvement pretty quickly. We saw that when Nafisa threw our training camp in her rookie year. Uh, you know, the three ball wasn't wasn't smooth for her. Um, but But she ended up you know, being able to adjust pretty quickly, make a couple tweaks. And uh, so we're, we're confident, you know, Renai didn't have a great sh- uh, three-point shooting season in her senior year, um, but she's above 30 uh, as it is. Her free throw percentage is really good. So um, we think we're going to be able to move that needle. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned Fee, as you guys know, 4-3. Four, four, um, uh, Bridget Carlton, uh, who once again has come uh, looking great and ready. I talked to her uh, at the end of our season, uh, about the importance that, that it looked like uh, we would be loaded on that side of the roster. At that time, we still had Kiki, and then I I had asked her to you know to think about being able to play the two. Uh, so increase your ball skills, your pick and roll game, uh, your foot speed to defend in pick and roll versus twos. And so uh, we're going to need her to slide that way as well. So you know our philosophy was collect the good players. Um, not to say, you know, if we didn't take Renaya, there was probably another one or two players that we would have liked, uh, that would have fit on the left side of the roster. Um, no, which, no matter which way we went, you know, we would, we were going to create uh, a need to shift either left or, or right. And, um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Just collect your good players, uh, figure out how to put them in position to be successful. Um, I, I think we did improve, uh, defensively and rebounding. And I think that was really important. And, and so now we just got to figure out how to get that, uh, that chemistry and playing together offensively. How's Jess Shepard doing and how does she fit in? She's doing well. Um, you know, knock on wood. I, I, I like where she's at. I think she would tell you she likes where she's at. 
Um, but we haven't had training camp yet. It's, it's a whole whole different beast. Um, I have a feeling she's going to be just fine because I think training camp is not going to be of the traditional variety. Uh, we will not have practice players, and so the grind will be less because it has to be less. Um, you know, as we manage, um, you know, just the tread. Uh, we don't have you know people in game shape, so you got to be careful how you get there. Uh, but all that being said, I, I like where Jess is at, and we were incredibly hopeful for her. And, and uh, you know, you know from watching her play uh, what her value is, you know, when you have a, a big that can pass, um, especially with who we have on the perimeter, with, with their uh, ability to play, you know, down around in the post and also, you know, on the perimeter. Jess is really, really valuable to us. Uh, next week, I want to talk about ESPN's coverage and Kathy Engelbert and how she handled everything. I thought it was a good production, but I also was disappointed they immediately flipped to uh, – NFL draft talk that is exactly the same that they have on every hour, every day. I think, I think they could have done some more storytelling with the, with the WNBA draft. We'll talk about that next week though. For this week, uh, we always, I always want to give you an opportunity to talk about social justice. We have so much going on in Minnesota and across the country right now. Is there anything you'd like to address right now? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, people ask me quite a bit uh, this week around the Dante Wright situation and, and just how, how we're coping, you know, and, and, and what, what will we do for our players in terms of, um, you know, keeping them safe, et cetera. And, um, you know, I just ask for people to, you know, open their minds about, you know, this is what we say all the time. You know, we, we cannot deny that these, these things exist, the problems that we have in policing. It's so much greater than the notion of, uh, a bad apple. I, I don't think that the officer that was involved in this incident is a quote bad apple. Um, you know, in terms of the terms that we've talked about before. Uh, but I think what it speaks to is just how, how I mean, the, the need, the pressing need for the, the culture of policing, the policies for a complete overhaul and analyzation of what we are doing and why we are doing it. One of the things I learned um, in, in uh, I think some people commenting, uh, there was an officer commenting on it, uh, their position about the, the traffic stop. The, the thing that the officer prefaced everything with was, we use traffic stops as a form of training. And if you think about that, that seems to be a, a, um, uh, just a, a, a situation waiting to turn bad. Um, if the person is in training, uh, they're, they're clearly not experienced with it. Additionally, if you eliminate the traffic stops for a, a air freshener or expired registration, um, this officer suggested that there would be complete lawlessness. And, and I, I just think, what are our priorities? Uh, because look at how many situations uh, are escalated from a traffic stop, from something so minor that leads to the loss of life. And so we have to, we just have to rethink, um, you know, how we're doing things, the necessary change for, uh, you know, these basic policies. And, and that's what's been on our, on our mind this week. It's amazing. You know, among financially stable democracies, they're probably like, what, 80 or 90 around the world. We put the most people in prison per capita. Yep. And by a wide margin, because it's profitable for people who run prisons. That's exactly uh, we, right. We have the most guns per capita, again, by a huge margin over any of these other countries because of NRA lobbying and paying off politicians. We have the highest levels of interpersonal violence, people shooting each other and and hurting each other. And we have the highest levels of police killing in the world. This is all tied together. It's all the it's the glorification of guns. It's paying off politicians who will then support either support 
uh, gun quote unquote freedoms or will not react to somebody, you know, we had a, just had another uh, mass shooting in Indiana. We've had how many school yeah. shootings in, in, in the United States? Why aren't certain politicians reacting to it? Because they're in bed with the people who don't want them to react to it. That's exactly right. And for black men to add to your, your, your statistics mm-hmm. that the leading cause of death uh, for, for black men is police brutality. Yep. And that one in every 1,000 um, black males will, will die at the hands of police. Uh, if that's not problematic. And, and so for those that want to spew the number that more white uh, men are killed than black, understand uh, the, the ratios. It's, it's two and a half times more likely if you're black for that to happen versus white. Uh, so it's not, this is like, it's like analytics and basketball. It's not a total number of rebounds. You know, per 40 is relevant. Your rebound rate is what's relevant. Um, and so, you know, the, it's just interesting that uh, there's just some people that don't want to uh, want the world to change. Um, you know, they, they want, they want it to stay exactly as it is. And that's what we're fighting against. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you said all the other things um, that, so it's just, it's endless. Um, and, you know, it's like, here we go again. And it's not, it hasn't changed, you know, no. from Emmett Till, you know, in the sixties and, you know, lynchings in the, in the early eighties and, you know, so it's just here we are in 2021, and, and this is the 2021 version of, of lynchings. We could talk about this for hours. I think we will end the discussion there for today. We'll keep talking about these things because they're important. I appreciate, I appreciate Cheryl taking them on. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, we really enjoyed the draft and talking about the draft. We'll get back to basketball topics next week. Thanks to Cheryl. Thanks to Brandon. And we will talk to you next week.